0: I hear somebody read a passage of scripture, it feels like their inflection and kind of what they read, just something about it jumps out to me. So it's important for us to read scripture out loud and maybe even read it to one another so we can hear new things. But I was thinking just now about this idea that Jesus uh, will come to judge the living and the dead. And we think of that word judgment as being so scary. Right? Like, scream that everybody's there and they get to see my whole life, like flash before them everything that I did that was ever wrong. And and sometimes we've been taught that that's what the judgment of God looks like. But scripture tells us that God desires mercy over judgment and that um, God's judgment is love. And so I don't think there's something for us to fear in that day. I think there's something. will forgive and, and, and forget also. If it were me, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, And I know the same thing if you were the judge. You'd be like, oh, some of us are going to be offered a lot more grace than others. And But but what that passage is saying is that because Jesus is the judge, we have nothing to fear. All we have to do is go forth and live in love and empower. power. I'm going to be reading to you this morning. Uh, Randy is correct. This is my favorite Sunday. I prefer this day over Christmas. I prefer this day over Easter. um, Because I think that it's in our baptism and in our remembrance of baptism and in communion and these sacramental, these sacred moments that we are reminded that God is constantly embracing us and showing us that we are God's children. And so this is what is uh, throughout the world known as the day of the baptism of the Lord, the day we celebrate. Jesus' baptism, it doesn't mean that like, on this day, 2,000 years ago, geez, like we have no clue about that stuff, right? But whoever decided that this is the day that we remember that Jesus, too, was baptized. And so I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 3, uh, <laughs> verses 13 through 7. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. And Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water, and heaven was opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, "This is my son, whom I dearly love, and I find happiness in him." Other translations say, "This is my beloved, in whom I am well pleased." Other translations say, "This is my beloved, in whom I find joy." May God give us wisdom courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage to live out the truth of Scripture in our lives. I'm I'm a different person today than I was last week. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. This last week, um, I had some things happen in my life that will have forever changed. You ever had that experience where, like, you start out a week and then you have an encounter with God that you will never, ever, ever forget? That's what happened to me Tuesday and Wednesday of this last week. And so, if I seem different, it's because I am different. And if I don't seem different, trust me, I feel different. I love talking about this particular passage of scripture and this story because this. Is where we find who it is that we are and it causes us to think about how we got to become who we are and that causes me at least to think about how do I keep becoming who I am supposed to be becoming that's how I originally wanted to preach this and that's how I'm going to do something with today but when I was telling you earlier that I really do stand in awe of us it's because I've had this easy life And I still struggle. And some of you have had really difficult lives. And you don't even struggle as much as I do. And I think I've figured out that I will never be as holy or as powerful as you are. And I'm okay with that. Because I get to experience the presence of God in and through you every time I'm around you. And every time I get to stand in front of you. But we are all this crazy mix of celebration and grief, of wounds and healed places, of of, of victories and of defeats. We're all this crazy mix of it. And sometimes I think what we end up doing is we try to hide the pain, and we try to hide our wounds, and we try to pretend like the failures don't exist, and we fall short because of that. We fall short of becoming, of being who it is, or at least recognizing that we are exactly who God created us Jesus goes down into the water and comes up out of the water, changed. Jesus, God in flesh, who came to walk and dwell among us, needed to be reminded of who he is. And so I hope this morning you leave here being reminded of who it is that you are. But to be able to recognize who it is that we are, we need to recognize our wounds. So you may be wondering what happened to me this last week. Well, I spent time at Homeboy Industries in East Los Angeles with Father Greg Boyle. He started Homeboy Industries back in the the mid-80s when Los Angeles was blowing up with gang violence. and still a very uh, hot place as far as gang violence goes. And he started it in East L.A. at this little mission called Dolores Mission. It was the most dangerous uh, city, part of the city and the most dangerous city for gang violence in the world at the time. Now, I met a lot of people this week. One of this, we were talking with Father Boyle one day, and this guy comes in and talks to us for a second, and he leaves, and then Father Boyle tells us this story. And I want to tell you this story to help you understand what I'm talking about when I. This man, was in his 30s now, when he was four years old, he well, when he was in his late 20s, he went with Father Boyle to talk to a group of social workers. Father Boyle had not heard of this man's entire life story. And he stands up to talk to these social workers and tells them that when he was four years old, it was the first time he heard his mom say, look at him and say, I wish you would just go ahead and. You are worthless to me. You're a burden to everyone who knows you and nobody wants you around. When he was six years old, his mother took him to Baja California, the Southern part of the, the, the Baja California and walked him up to the doors of an orphanage and said to the lady who answered the door, I found this kid on the beach. I don't even know who he is. You need to take care of him." Nine months later, his maternal grandmother comes and finds him finally got it out of his mom where he was. She takes him from the orphanage, takes him back to his mother, and says, you have to raise this boy. And he said at that time, she began beating him on his back with things you could imagine and with things you can't imagine. He was well into his twenties and in prison when he stopped wearing three t-shirts, because the first one would absorb most of the blood, the second one would absorb the rest of the blood, and the third one would cover it all up. He's telling this story, reaching under his shirt, rubbing his back. And he says to this crowd of social workers, but now I love my wounds. Because if I can't love my wounds, I will despise the wounded. Friends, that's who we are. We are the wounded. And we have to learn to embrace our wounds Otherwise, we will despise the wounded. And our God, this God of love, this God who desires nothing more than to love us, wants us to love other people. I said a year and a half ago, I was preaching a sermon on forgiveness. You may remember I was using this phrase over and over and over again, that hurt people hurt people. I think what I've discovered is that cherished people cherish people. And friends, we are cherished. We are cherished. If by no one else, we are cherished by God. There was a Catholic priest who in his late 20s found out that his father was dying, and so he took a sabbatical to go spend time with his dad while his dad was dying. And he remembered that every night in his childhood, his dad would read a book to him, and another book to him, and another book to him until he fell asleep. So he decided he was going to read to his father in the evenings so that his father could go to sleep. And so he would start reading, and his dad would never go to sleep. And he finally said, Dad, you've got to go to sleep. So his dad would close his eyes, and he would be reading, and he would look up from the book, and his dad would have one eye open looking at him and smiling. And he would say, what are you doing? And he'd say, okay, okay, I'll go to sleep. he would keep reading, and he would look up, and his dad would have one eye open, and he would be smiling and looking at him through one eye. And the priest says that that is how God encounters us, that God cannot stop looking at us, and cannot stop smiling when God sees us. And we think of it as the other way around, like, oh no, God is looking at me oh my gosh, God is looking at me, I need to hide, I need to cover up, I need to pretend like Eve and Adam in the garden when they were trying to cover up themselves and God's like, look, you're covering your upper selves with leaves that are going to dry out and crumble anyway, just be who you are, I love you. We are the beloved children of God. But we forget about love because oftentimes it's we think that love is love returned. Like, we'll offer our love to someone, but we really want them to return our love. And God never says that. God just loves us, period. End of story. No need for returned love. God just loves. And if we are to be like God, we, we've got to learn to love ourselves and love our wounds and cherish everything so that we can cherish other people. Because hurt people hurt people, but cherished people cherish people. You all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Am I rambling or are you like listening closely? I don't know what's happening here. Several years ago, I read a book called The Season of Life. It was written by a man who was an all-pro defensive tackle for the Baltimore Colts, back when that was a theme. And um, he retires from playing in the NFL and starts coaching high school football. And he's really different from my coaches because he was successful, number one. (laughs) His teams are typically in the top 50 in USA Today's listing of top high school football teams in the nation. Oftentimes, they're in the top 20, and every few years, they'll be in the top 10. He teaches his players from their first day of their freshman year until the last day of their senior year. Every single time he's around them, the very first thing he says to them and the very last thing he says to them is, what is my job? And they, read, they yell back at him, to love us. And he says, and what is your job? And they say, to love each other. That is so different from the message that we hear in the world. Because we think success is measured in victories, and failure is measured in defeats. We think that success is measured in doing the right thing and failure is measured in doing the wrong thing. And we think all of this stuff around success is about achievement. When the reality is, Mother Teresa was right when she said, We're not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful. What does that mean? It means to be who we are. <clears throat> Did you know? That right now, in this moment, you are exactly who God created you to be in this moment. And you are in process. My friend Cairo says that there's an ING after the end of all of our names that I am Rossing. I am not Ross. I am becoming the entire time of my life. That the day of healing stops the day that I am in the grave. There's so much freedom in that. Jesus goes down into the water and he comes up. And the creator of everything says to him what the creator says to us. This is my child. And I'm overjoyed with that. The God of love looks at us Joy, not just happiness. Did you know oftentimes we settle, right? We settle for all kinds of other gods. We settle for the God of being right. We settle for the God of being on the right team. We settle for the God of success, or we settle for the God of being able to complain about those who fail. We settle for all of these other gods, but when you find the God of love, you fire all of the other gods. And the God of love is overjoyed with us, and what the God of love offers us is joy, but we settle for happiness. We are free. You are free people, set free in the kingdom of God to love everyone with no need for them to even return the love, because our love comes from God, and there's no greater love than God. My biggest hope this morning is that you will walk out of here knowing that you're cherished. Knowing that you've made it. Knowing that success doesn't define you, but your faithfulness does. Knowing that you can walk with people in love who are really different than you, not expecting any love return One of the struggles that I have in ministry, period, is when one of you decides that this isn't the church for you and you leave. For some reason, it feels like a failure on my part or a failure on our part not to love people and keep them here when the reality is it's not about us. And it's definitely not about me. It's about that person going someplace else to get what it is they need someplace else because they got what they need here for the time that they're here and they're free to go someplace else. And that if I can remember that God loves me and that God loves us, then I can set them free and go and I don't have to hold on to the guilt of not being good enough. That's how it works in my life, but I think all of you have those types of things in your life also. The areas where you are trying to measure up of whether you're good enough or not, and friends, you are. Are you with me? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you tracking with me? Can you walk with this? Can you live this? Can you believe this? Can we together help one another to do it? It's hard, but it's simple. Thankfully, God has done some amazing things in the world to remind us. Every single Sunday, we practice one of them, which is the sacrament, the sacred moment of Holy Communion, where somebody looks you in the eyes and says, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. But there's this other sacrament called baptism, where we take this theme, water, water, that is everywhere. And fortunately, we live in a nation and in a part of the world where it's accessible to all of us all the time. But water is just a basic thing, but it speaks of life, it speaks of nourishment, it speaks of cleansing, it speaks of renewal, it speaks of hydration. All of the things that we need to survive are represented in water. And God takes that one simple thing and says, anytime you touch it, anytime you taste it, anytime you see it, it can be a reminder that you are my child, and I cannot stop looking at you, and I cannot stop smiling when I see you, because you fill me with joy. So this morning, we're going to have communion like we always do, where we serve one another and it's such a blessing to get to look someone in the eyes and remind them how much God loves them. And then you'll have the opportunity to walk past one of these tables with bowls of water on them and dip your hands into it. And last service, people were like putting their fingertips in it, which is cool. But man, get your hands in there and like feel it, get it, like feel the water, feel the cleansing, feel how it, it, it like, how it changes your skin. And if you would like, I'll be standing right here on this side, and you can come up to me and I will put water on my hands and I'll make the sign of the cross on the forehead on your forehead and remind you of your baptism. But here's the other thing. If you have never been baptized, and you're sitting there thinking, maybe I should get baptized, you should. And if you're sitting there thinking like, I don't even know like know what this means, nobody does. <laughs> and if you're sitting there thinking like, yeah, but what about the rest of my family? Who cares? This is about you and God. And I would be like so happy to baptize you and for this community of people to be able to welcome you in in that way. That if you've never been baptized, dip your hands in the water and you can still experience the presence of God through that. So, When you take a shower, when you do the dishes, when you drive through a puddle, when you go to the car wash, when you take a drink of water on a cold or hot day, remember your baptism.